Jiminy Crickets. Jiminy Cricket is the name. I'm a happy-go-lucky fellow, always getting in wrong for singing my song. A merry old soul am I. Jiminy Cricket is the name. I'll be hanging around this evening. I'll be tipping my hat and telling you that Jiminy Cricket is the name. Hello, Cricketeers, and welcome to our June 2021 episode of Dateline Jiminy Crickets. And we're joined once again by our new co-host of the regular Jiminy Crickets podcast, Brian Crawford. How are you doing, Brian? I'm doing great, guys. I'm feeling especially patriotic today. And how are you, Ruthie? I'm doing great, Chris. How are you? Good. And Brian's feeling patriotic because the 4th of July is coming very soon. And we have some patriotic segments that we have put together for you for this episode in anticipation of the forthcoming (laughs) 4th. And... uh, (laughs) Before we get started, we want to sort of do some shameless plugging as per the norm, housekeeping (laughs) and whatnot. First of all, I'd like to remind you that we are on Patreon and it does cost money to bring you magic and uh, every little bit helps us for all of the different things that we produce for the web, including our three podcasts, including this one, and my website, DisneyChris.com, home of the Disneyland Magical Audio Tour. There are, and if you hear, I have the window open, and if you hear cars revving or motorcycles or sirens, it's... Well, they're just racing to sign up for Patreon. It's just the sounds of (laughs) downtown Providence. I'm, you know, in a big city, so it's not always quiet, but it's too hot to close the window, so. Um, I could turn on the AC, but that would be even louder than the cars. So, brave cricketeers, truthful cricketeers, and unselfish cricketeers, plus official conscience. These are the four levels, depending on how much you contribute, determines which level you belong to. But even at the $1 level, you will still receive rewards every month. We give out audio content. We produce a exclusive podcast only for our subscribers at the $5 level or higher. We do cartoon and documentary commentaries, all sorts of fun stuff. So if you would like to think about Becoming a Patreon, you can visit our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash DisneyChris. Ruthie, I'd like you to talk about our store. Go. (laughs) Way to put me on the spot there. 
Um, so we do have a store where you can purchase merchandise that has uh, two of our logos on it. We have a Dateline Jiminy Crickets logo and a DisneyChris.com logo. And you can basically put that those, one of those two logos or both on a multitude of products. And the website that you can go to is jcpodcast.threadless.com. But there's t-shirts, there's notebooks, there's mugs, there's stickers. There's a whole bunch of stuff. So it's really cool and uh, really awesome to help promote the podcast. And all of the proceeds help support us. Did you say that? I was no, I didn't. spaced no. out. Okay. I forgot. <laughs> so Brian, who just so happens to be the head man in charge of our Instagram, tell everybody about our Instagram account. Find us on Instagram at DisneyChris underscore JC underscore podcasts. And there I add many colorful Disney images every day, mostly related to Disneyland. And I also provide some updates to uh, our podcast episodes when they're released. And we're just over 1,100 followers. So if you're following us on Instagram, make sure you share that out to your friends and invite them to join the Instagram party at DisneyChris underscore JC underscore podcast. And Ruthie, what about Facebook? We also have a Facebook group, and it's Jiminy Crickets Podcast, and you can get on there, join our group, and we'll talk about all these podcasts, different things about the podcast, and also like just general Disney items as well. Um, Just ask to join. There's a couple of questions that we would prefer that you answer because if we if you don't then who knows you might be a bot so um just answer the questions and then we'll approve you and we're happy to have you join in the conversation in addition to this podcast we have two others one of them is called jiminy crickets which is an audio only podcast and the other one and on on that podcast we have like historical topics we talk about you know classic disney movies famous disney actors disney legends just you know things having to do with the past and the disney legacy and lore and then down the rabbit hole which is exclusive to our patreon subscribers at the five dollar level or higher we have a round table off the cuff discussion where Ruthie, Brian, and I just sort of pick a topic and go at it. And it's unedited and sometimes can be a little bit more heated than our normal podcasts. And we sort of purposely save our opinions for the show because yeah. we try it's to keep our... more, uh, more opinion-based and not so research-based. Right. Chris rants. Chris rants. <laughs> That's yeah. where you hear him. That's your alert. Yeah. <laughs> so on our normal podcast, which is uh, Jiminy Crickets, these are some of the past shows and upcoming shows you can look forward to. In February, we did a special episode celebrating the 20th anniversary of California Adventure. And so April Bistro. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we do talk about we that. Ain't there, no. <laughs> We talk about uh, the Winnie the Pooh 
Disney franchise in two three-hour-long episodes. We had two episodes in April. That's why we didn't sure have an episode in May. Episode? <laughs> no. We just we we didn't have a May episode because we did two episodes on Winnie the Pooh in April, and by May we were burned out. We were pooped. <laughs> <There> you <go. laughs> and uh, coming very soon, by the end of the month or early July at the latest, we're going to be releasing a special episode about the original Fantasyland Dark Rides, which are um, the ones that opened in the 1950s, and we're going to talk about those four and then how they changed and how they are in the other parks throughout the world and whatnot. So you can look forward to that coming soon. And to listen to these and all of our other past shows... You can go to JC or jcricketpodcast.blogspot.com and you'll find all 139, soon to be 140 episodes of the Jiminy Crickets podcast. Ruthie, what about the You guys bots? can also go to Apple Podcasts and uh, while you're there listening on Apple, leave us a five star review. We'd appreciate that. Yeah, and maybe Brian might pull it and we can read it on a show. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> so, Ruthie, what about the Roarbots? So, the Roarbots, this is a website that kind of celebrates a whole bunch of different um, genres of um, things that people like, such as Harry Potter, uh, you know, Transformers, things like that. And we. What Ruthie means to say is geek stuff. Yeah, Nerds. I mean, but it's, but it's all good. It's all stuff, nostalgic stuff that people like too. So we were at Disney Avenue, Dungeons and Dragons, yeah, Avatar, yep, um, any sort of like Rocky Horror Picture Show franchise, Star <laughs> Trek, all of that. Yeah, stuff. yeah. So we're there, and you can also listen to our podcast on that website. We're the Disney part of it. Yeah. Brian, you feel like talking about the Disney song of the day? Man, this is where Chris really hooks you guys up, especially our Patreon. And most of our Patreon gets the song of the day delivered to their uh, inboxes. Uh, but what Chris does here is he picks a song and releases it for everybody to get their day started with that little Disney touch. And you can find that on his website, DisneyChris.com. And if it's like a holiday month or a special time of year, he'll throw some songs in there that relate to the holiday. I do themed yeah. theming like throughout um, June. I did two different themed blocks. I did a Donald Duck for Donald's oh, birthday. For birthday. And yeah. then I did a Father's Day block. And coming mm -hmm. in July, I'm going to do two themed blocks, like 10 day blocks of songs. One for the 4th of July, and then one for Disneyland's birthday. And the other 10 to celebrate the heat in San Antonio. <laughs> I'm dying out here. So, we just added, well, I probably need to take out the all-new at this point. It's been a while, <laughs> but we... For those who enjoy, the, on my website, the Magical Audio Tour, 
I added a new uh, feature probably six months ago or so where it's not an app but it if you go to your browser and click on my website there's a special page you can go to that's easier to navigate using your mobile device and the web address for that is disneychris.com slash 311 or you can just link to it from my home page and last but not least I want to promote my my Disneyland Magical Audio Tour. I just hit a milestone of 2,500 audio tracks. And these are all tracks yeah. from Disneyland, the happiest place on earth, and growing. I'm working on some Tomorrowland stuff right now. So if you're interested in hearing more about that, you can join us on July 1st when Brian and I do a uh, update on the Disneyland Magical Audio Tour on this very same YouTube channel. So be sure to check that out. So now that we're done with all of our shameless plugs, we have a very special announcement for all of you interested in getting back out into the world because it's time to get a traveling. Nate Line Jiminy Crickets proudly endorses Concierge Vacation Planners a Disney-authorized specialty vacation planning service. Concierge doesn't just book your trip, they walk you through the entire process, helping you plan out every detail, one-on-one, -on -one, to make the very most out of your vacation while saving you both time and money. And the best part is, they charge nothing for their services. You will get the exact same pricing as if you booked your vacation directly through Disney. But in using Concierge's expertise, You've got the added bonus of having your very own personal Disney Guru Planner by your side. Both Ruthie and I are also satisfied customers, and we just can't recommend them enough. Visit their website at www.concierge.com. That's www.concierge.com, as in mouse ears. So when you book your next Disney vacation, be it Walt Disney World, Disneyland, the Disney Cruise Line, or many of the other Disney destinations available worldwide, contact Concierge Vacation Planners, and be sure to tell them Disney Chris sent you. Changed the music from our normal small world medley to something slightly more patriotic because our top 10 list happens to be a patriotic theme. Because coming in July is Arbor Day. No, the 4th of July. <laughs> <laughs> I don't probably Arbor Day isn't in July. I was just trying to be funny. I don't think Arbor Day really exists anymore. Because they turned Isn't it into Earth Day. A, a John Denver oh, song? is that Earth Day? Arbor Day? Yeah. No, go? I mean, it was in the 80s, but... Yeah. yeah. Alright, save this save for down the rabbit hole, guys. Save for America. Yeah. Save the tree. <laughs> so we're going to do 
Disney's most patriotic live action films. And we picked 10. We all agreed. Some of our ideas were turned down. Like, these are the ones we all agreed and we ranked them together. So this is a consensus between the three of us. And if you disagree with any of our choices or if you have one you think we should have included, that's what the notes are for, we, or the comment section. We want to hear you, what your ideas are. We would love to read it. We never get comments. We would love to read comments and hear what your top 10 list is or just one movie you thought we should include or whatnot. So we're going to uh, sort of cover from the current times and go way back to the 50s on this. So we're, we're running the gamut on the time period here. So the first film Brian's going to talk about. What, what did we pick as number 10, Brian? Number 10 is Nicolas Cage steals the Declaration of Independence to prevent it from being stolen. <laughs> otherwise known as National Treasure. Yeah. National Velvet. <laughs> Great movie. One of the few modern live-action films that I, I enjoy. This is a classic, I think. I saw this one in the theater, believe it or not. Really? Yeah. yeah. It's really good. Uh, 2004. Action adventure film. Uh, I still went to the movies cast. back then. Besides Nicolas Cage, you had Harvey Keitel, John Voight, mm. and the reason why I rewatch it, Diane Kruger. Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and Sean Bean, who we know from, yep. from a lot of action films, Lord of the Rings. Yeah, and Game of and, Thrones. Yeah, Game of Thrones. Oh, oh don't. I know. <laughs> no spoilers. So there was a sequel to this, and when I was looking up an image for this, apparently the third installment is in production right now. So there's going to be a third. Oh, great. But it hasn't I'm been excited. released yet. It's still in production. Yeah. I don't even think they've started filming it yet, but it's definitely going to happen. Yeah, also Christopher Plummer is in it. So oh, yeah. we recently lost him, but... Wow, what an actor. What a career. A legend in Hollywood. And for comic relief, we have Justin Bartha. Timberlake. Yeah. No. <laughs> he's a, I'm hungry. He's like it's psyched. cold in here. Yeah. <laughs> Your car smells weird. <laughs> so uh, just a great film. Uh, I mean, if anything involving the Declaration of Independence is going to be... Uh, riveting patriotic so well oh, de definitely riveting is questionable patriotic is definite <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah so apparently there was a map on the back of the declaration of independence and diane kruger who works in the archives you don't have to give the whole it, plot away gets Brian. her involved <laughs> they use lemon juice to reveal the map to some treasure oh gosh and uh, it's just hijinks. And Sean Bean, who was helping Nicolas Cage find the treasure, got tired of clue after clue. And it turns uh, out everything is a clue. Everything yeah. was yeah. built as a clue. All the stuff in Washington D.C., from the Lincoln Memorial to the Capitol Dome, is a clue. All set up by the founding fathers. Yes. Yeah. In Independence Hall. That's a great, great scene in Independence Hall. Yeah, we took a trip is. to Philadelphia and checked it out. We're like, oh, this I've is only seen the one in point of, I've only seen the one in the Knott's Berry Farm parking lot. <laughs> <laughs> I've been so, to there, but it was before uh, National Treasure came out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, go me see too. it if you haven't. It's it's on Disney Plus, I believe. 
It is, yeah. Both yeah. of I believe both of them are. Yeah, Book of Secrets, the sequel. Yeah. So super fun movie. John Voight plays his dad and he's great. Yeah. Oh, he's he's absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Harvey Number Keitel. nine. Somebody's got to go to prison. <laughs> Number nine is The Rocketeer from 1991, I believe. And this was not terribly successful when it came out, but it sort of had it's it's developed a cult following. I saw this also in the theater when it came out with my dad, and I really enjoyed it. And I was surprised that it, it didn't do better, but I think it was a timing issue. Like, I, I don't think it was trendy enough for 1991. I think if they had released it maybe later in the decade, it would have done better. But it takes place during World War II, and there's a lot of patriotic things happening because he's basically designed this uh, jetpack to fight the Nazis so it's a whole thing and uh, what's his name the guy in the picture down below he plays uh, what's his Roger name Dalton. Roger Dalton he plays the um, Howard Hughes and Howard Hughes turns out to be a undercover Nazi so it's sort of based on truth and fiction. And it's really inventive and really fun and it's all set in the 40s and it's it's one of, I feel, it's one of the better Disney live action films post Walt Disney. It definitely has a lot of Disney feeling to it. And the music has taken on a life of its own. The Rocketeer theme is pretty well known nowadays. The music is uh, part of what makes it such a wonderful film. So yeah, Ruthie's... I really like The Rocketeer. Um, I think I saw it in the theater too, and yeah, yeah. I was like, "Oh, this is really good." And then it, nothing yeah. ever happened to it. So. Yeah, I mean, they put a lot of the props on the MGM studio backlot. Oh, uh huh. Like the hot dog restaurant that looked like a dog, like a bulldog. They put that oh, out yeah. there, and yep. some of the the biplanes and things that they used. So the next film is probably our most recent entry, and yes. Ruthie's going to talk about this one. Yeah. So um, just before Rocketeer is on Disney Plus as well, as well as this movie, Captain America: The First Avenger. Um, this is the first Captain America movie. So it basically is his origin story of how he becomes Captain America. So um, this is a very patriotic movie because not only is he Captain America, but he does fight the Nazis and in the, and during World War II in the film. So this is this is just a really great film and and you know it just leads right into the the Avengers movie. But this came out in 2011. So the next film, we're going a little bit back now to the Walt era, and Brian's going to talk about this classic. My cat just stood in front of my microphone. Brian's going to talk about this classic. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is Summer Magic from 1963, starring Jimmy Mathers and Eddie Hodges. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and a, a little-known young lady by the name of Haley Mills 
And this other guy that kind of sings pretty good, Burl Ives. So. <laughs> Deborah one Wally. One of my favorite Disney ladies. Don't Dorothy forget McGuire. Deborah Wally. We love her. Oh, yeah, lots of ladies, right? Dorothy McGuire, Deborah yeah. Wally from all the swimsuit movies in the late 60s. <laughs> and Una Merkel. So we've talked yes, about we love magic her. so much on this yeah, podcast. Yes. Uh, but it's because we love it and it's yes. just a slice of americana that we just can't get enough of the but... reason this is even on the list is it's just a slice it's basically just a slice of old-timey america there's not yeah. anything specifically patriotic That's about it. the movie but it's just overall makes you feel like these are the good old american days we have another yeah. one that sort of falls under that too right. that we'll and talk it's, about it's a little summer later. magic july summer i watch yeah. it every summer everybody should be watching this every summer now this we, is not on disney plus but go it should and suggest be. it and get it on there yeah and our <laughs> next one isn't on disney plus either and it should be yeah. and what this is, is going on disney the one and only genuine original family band. I think the longest titled Disney movie ever. Whenever I have a song from this on my song of the day, I always run out of space to type in the title. <laughs> this is a movie that I grew up on. I love this film. Fantastic cast. Walter Brennan, um, Buddy Ebsen, um, Leslie Ann Warren. Um, Kurt Russell, actually, in one of his uh, earlier films. John Davidson. John Davidson. Yes, not pictured here. Because he was marrying into the family band. This is the family band pre-John Davidson. But it's a political story, but it's not... It takes place over 100 years ago, so it's not like... It has nothing to do with today's politics. It's more about the red team versus the blue team it's not any specific political message or anything that anybody would watch this and be offended or anything it's completely family friendly the music is all by the sherman brothers ruthie has not seen this film i have not i sent her a copy uh -oh. and she has promised to watch it asap yes. I can't believe she hasn't seen this. She loves the happiest. <laughs> if you love the happiest millionaire, you'll love this yes. as much. Yes, I have it's, no doubt I'm gonna like it. And it's just got fantastic music. And because it's a, it's, it's main plot line is about a political, a presidential race. It def, definitely and the electoral college. And it, it, it also just again sort of like our last one is a slice of americano yet once again so ruthie's going to talk about number five yes so number five is follow me boys starring fred mcmurray and this is another movie that we've talked about quite a lot on this podcast on one version of this podcast or another but this is kind of you know about a man who you know comes and settles down at, in a small town and he doesn't have kids of his own, so he um, starts leading this troop of boys, kind of... I don't think they're called Boy Scouts, I don't remember. No, they exactly, are. But it's, they are, from the beginning. Oh, they are? Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so they're Boy Scouts, so he... It's he just forms a, a troop in this town of yeah. where the boys are Hickory. being hooligans. Yeah, Hickory. 
Yeah. And again, it's like a Midwestern, all-American town in the 30s, kind of old-fashioned days. And it just kind of shows how he becomes kind of like a father figure to these boys as they right. grow up, and and as he, you know, um, older, and the older the troops kids grow change, out and the right? Kids come into the troop, and there's a and, whole scene that takes place during World War II when they're having war games on the property where they have their Cub Scout outings, and they end up getting captured, and it's all—it's really funny. Yeah. Actually, well, they is, end up know, capturing a tank, and it's yeah. it's funny. <laughs> yeah, that is funny. Um, so this is kind of another Americana film, you know, talking Boy Scouts and so. <clears throat> excuse me. Um, so you know, and then it's it, there's a really touching scene at the end where they honor him, the the town honors him. So you know, it's just a really uh, you know, family friendly fun movie that you know just touches your heart. Yes. And Bear Miles, too. Uh-huh. We love her. I love Follow Me Boys. Great movie. Listen to the podcast. They Is did that on one on Disney Plus? I think that's... I think great, Follow Me Boys... Podcast. I think Follow Me Boys is on Disney Plus. No, I'm not, not yet. sure. Yeah. No, because I next keep one, it. The next one is... Uh, Brian's going to talk about... And number... Where are we at? Four? That's what the number on the picture says, Brian. Oh, yeah. <laughs> down yeah. in the lower right-hand corner. Yeah. Westward Ho the Wagons. Well, this, this really celebrates the westward expansion, the pioneers of the 19th century going out and uh, settling out in the west. And if you're like Chris, Ruthie, and I, you've played the Oregon Trail and that's kind of what this movie's all about. <laughs> you're on Do the they die trail, of dysteria or you know, what is it? Dying of dysentery. Yes. Or oh, I always said dementia. And, and by <laughs> they die of dementia. <laughs> <laughs> so this is a fun, fun movie because it stars Fess Parker and a whole handful of Mouseketeers who Karen. kids that yeah, kids that uh, during that time saw the Mouseketeers in, in their daily television show but this was a chance to see them on the big screen and i believe this was a cinemascope film i believe so yes mistaken i think Uh, so so, yeah nice wide panoramic view of all these mouseketeers like well david stallery from spin and marty he was an official mouseketeer but you had cubby o'brien karen pendleton tommy cole Uh doreen tracy and it's basically uh, and who showcases was the, their... who was the guide in the in the front of that picture? He was also Mike Fink. Is that Jeff York? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Jeff Jeff York and Fess Parker were pals, and they they yeah. There wasn't a movie that they weren't both in. I don't think. <laughs> and Sebastian Cabot is actually in this as oh, well. Oh yeah. He's the he works at that fort where they kind of hang out and they mix with the Sioux Indians and there's a little scuffle between uh, David Stollery they and, steal and the Sioux children. Car- they steal Karen. Yeah. And they have to get her back. Right. The, the, next, so, the next movie is a favorite of all of ours and Ruthie's going to talk about it. This is another one we've talked extensively about, but this is Pollyanna. Um, 
just another film that we, um, you know, very down home, very Americana. And then this scene here, the, the picture that Chris chose is really the, the main um, patriotic scene when they sing um, uh, America the Beautiful. America the Beautiful, yeah. I almost said the Star Spangled Banner, but I was like, wait, no, that's not right. <laughs> um, and <laughs> it's also a funny scene because she, you know, she helps to organize the bazaar and she's part of the flag and they keep seeing her throughout the bazaar and saying, you're part of the flag. Go get, go get ready, go get ready. And then, you know, the, they come out and they sing their song and, and, uh, you know, they're not in the right order. So they have to kind of move around and stuff like that. She but then has, she comes. She has a solo and she sings yeah, in she her sings English accent. She sings it in her English accent. <laughs> we'll call it uh what what do you call that She's accent chris that mid-atlantic uh, mid-atlantic yeah, mid yeah. that's what we're gonna call it it's not british okay. it's mid-atlantic yeah. exactly <laughs> so i mean this is just a fun movie you know it's just you know uh the town of harrington is just kind of like a americana town so you know we just and we love this movie so anytime we can talk about it just throw it up there amen <laughs> The next movie was originally a TV series, uh, well, sort of a mini-series, a three-part series on the um, Disneyland TV show, which premiered in December of 1954 and ran throughout early 55, and later in 55, they packaged it all together, all three episodes, and released it theatrically, and they had the foresight to even though it was produced for tv they filmed the entire thing in technicolor so they were able to release it in theaters in technicolor and it did very well in the box office and that of course is davy crockett king of the wild frontier starring fess parker as davy crockett now this film was a huge phenomenon and it led to a sort of a, a craze throughout the U.S. of little boys wanting to own and wear coonskin caps. There was a run on coonskin caps. The stores couldn't keep them in stock. It was kind of funny that in the 50s, the big thing was coonskin caps. <laughs> Who knew that would happen? Right. So this is a classic Disney film on its own right, but it's also very patriotic because it talks about an American hero who died at the Alamo defending our country. And it goes in, it doesn't really, it sort of is ambiguous at the end and doesn't explain that he died at the Alamo, but it does end at the Alamo without really getting into the gory details of it, but he died in the gory. basement. It's a Alamo every once in a while and I, I give Davy a little shout out. Yeah, you out live to, where the Alamo and Buddy is. Ebsen and Jeff York. Brian and lives in Hans San Connery. Antonio where the Alamo is located. Yeah. If you're ever out here, let, let me know. Drop me a line. I'll give you a tour. <laughs> so, um, the final film, our number one patriotic Disney live-action film, Brian will talk about. It's Escapade in Florence. Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> How can it not be Johnny Tremaine? It has to be. Yeah. This is like the quintessential patriotic film in the Disney library. 
So this was a 1957 uh, film, and it stars Hal Stallmaster as Johnny Tremaine. That's a household name. (laughs) (laughs) It was supposed to be Bobby Driscoll, but I think Walt Disney didn't think he fit the part as well as Hal. Well, there was an acne problem. Yeah, Bobby had some other problems, you know. Kind of a bummer, but, but Hal did a great job. Uh, Luana Patton is in this, as well as, yeah. hey, Jeff York. Well, he was yeah. all around the Disney films in the 50s. Oh, yeah. And Sebastian Cabot was Jonathan Light, mm-hmm. who was related to Johnny Tremaine. His name was Jonathan Light Tremaine, and he kind of he worked as a silversmith, an apprentice. And one day, he was trying to get this order to Jonathan Light done, because it was going to get a lot of money for the for the house and he decided to break the sabbath and as a result he burned his hand well that's uh, not his... why he burned his hand but that's sort of what they <laughs> yeah it's not like the very religious the people God. said he sort of got what he deserved because he shouldn't have been working on the sabbath yeah exactly so he couldn't find a job after that but what happened yeah, was yeah he only had of... one usable hand the sons of liberty decided to hire him as a messenger so he was kind of like it's interesting because all these things playing out in Boston the Boston people it's a fictional story Brian you're cutting out it's a fictional story but all of the as far as the Johnny Tremaine aspect of it but everything happening around him is based on true life events are you back Brian I think so. Okay, now I can hear you. Go ahead. <laughs> so, yeah, you just kind of explained what I was going to say. So Yeah, because you cut uh, out. I'm sorry. Lots of great uh, iconic moments in the American Re- that led up to the American Revolution, like the Boston Tea Party, Paul Revere's ride. Yeah, and the, as the pictured first here, the Boston Tea Party is what we have yeah. in this picture. Battle of Lexington and Concord and the shot around the world. You know. Yeah. I've been there because I used to live near there when I lived in Massachusetts. I was walking distance from the field where that battle actually happened. So I've been yeah, there. And, and nobody knows who fired that first shot. Yeah, they don't know. They, they It's called the shot heard around the world, but they don't know who which side actually fired the first shot. So that is our top ten patriotic live-action films and again if you disagree with anything or feel like we should have included something keep in mind we are only talking about live action and we're only talking about theatrically released feature length films not documentaries not made for TV Davy Crockett qualifies only because it was released in theaters later so that was our and maybe criteria. next year we'll do animation and we can put Ben and me on the list. <laughs> maybe, yes. So we actually have something exciting to share with you folks. We have a brand new segment that is going to debut right now. So before you 
talk about this, Brian. Oh, I got a message on Skype and it made a block. Did any of you send me a message? <laughs> I did. Oh, don't do that <laughs> while we're recording, Brian, because I everyone can hear it. I'm a rookie. <laughs> Anyways, um, so what happens is um, we're going to pick a category each time we do this, and today's category is Disneyland attractions. So all these quotes come from specifically, not Disney World, not Epcot, specifically Disneyland Park attractions. Current or past. There's no time constraint. They can be extinct attractions, it doesn't matter. So, we each chose four quotes and we'll talk about them. I'll show the quote on the screen and we'll actually play a clip of the quote from the attraction as we go through each one. So Brian's gonna go first and he picked four quotes from Disneyland. So Brian, what is your first quote? Well, my first quote has to do with this really wild ride out in the wilderness. <laughs> ah, <laughs> Big okay. Thunder Mountain Railroad. I love this attraction. I never get bored of it, especially the Disneyland version. Mm -hmm. So while you're getting into your train, you're settling in for your voyage through Bryce Canyon. Uh, you're getting your safety bar down. This iconic voice comes on the speaker. Who, is, who is none other than Dal I'm, I'm blanking on his Dal name. Dal Dallas, McKinnon. Dallas McKinnon, <laughs> of course. Let's play that yeah. clip and then you can talk some more about it, Brian. Howdy, folks. Please keep your hands, arms, and legs inside the train and remain seated at all times. Now then, hang on to them hats and glasses, because this here's the wildest ride in the wilderness. That's the quote. We'll play yeah. each one. So, any more thoughts on that? The only attraction that's referred to as a ride. Oh, well, that's... in the well, oh. cast members always do, even though they're yeah, it's they're yeah. sort of not supposed to, but it's not that it's not really mm -hmm. enforced. But besides Mr. Toad's Wild Ride, but yeah. yeah. Oh, this this uh, safety spiel's changed a lot through the years. The one yeah, I had written the, down this here This is was the like, original. If, they yeah, changed okay, it because the they wanted to include uh, another version in Spanish. So they had him yeah. re-record it, but this is the original one. I kind of like the one where it says, if any of you folks are wearing hats or glasses, best remove them. Because <laughs> yeah. this here is the wildest ride in the wilderness. So. And Fun he says quote, it differently. Like... He says it now. He goes, this here is the wildest ride in the wilderness. Mm, I like this one that you played. I like yeah, this one I do like too. the original. So, so you ready you'll notice for... a trend in my uh, yes, my, my there is a trend. <laughs> they all have to do with a safety spiel. Mm. So, what's <laughs> so, the next one, Brian? So, the next one we have the 1959 attraction, the Matterhorn bobsleds. Of course, the first tubular steel roller coaster ever built. So I believe and this this quote is from when they remodeled it in '78. This is when they oh, added is it that. now? Okay. Yeah, this is that. this wasn't original. Yeah. So after you splash down, 
Remain seated, please. Permanecer sentados, por favor. Who was that? Well, that was none other than Jack Wagner. Yes, that's sort of a famous one. Yeah. It was in a song. Yes, a song called Tragic Kingdom by uh, No Doubt. Yeah, oh, really? Stefani. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I am learning with you guys. <laughs> <laughs> so, just a classic one. I mean, you can hear it in the queue while you're uh, getting ready to board. And it's just a fun one that you can repeat over and over again to your friends. Yeah. And it's it's like <laughs> the can, one if you can speak it's the Spanish one like the one in Florida. There's please stand clear of the doors and then he says it in Spanish. Oh yeah. See this is yeah. the Disneyland. This, this is the this Disneyland is the equivalent. Of yeah. 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 <laughs> so the next one Go comes from another de los Puertas or something like that. <laughs> the next one comes from another nineteen fifty nine Disneyland attraction, but this is not part of the original I think something similar to this was said in the original, but this was, I think, added in the late 60s, this specific recording of it. What's that, Brian? So this one is from the Submarine Voyage. Right. The original. It looks like you got the, the Nemo subs up there. Yeah, I couldn't find a good one from the yeah. original. That was the right dimensions. Mm -hmm. We'll cut you some screen. slack, though. Great picture. Yeah. I do like the yellow-blue paint scheme. But originally, they were that navy gray, you know, the traditional military. Battleship gray is the official. Battleship gray, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So do you want to so, hear the clip? Yeah, play it. Make yourself comfortable, but please remain seated at all times, and no smoking, please. The smoking lamp is out. Yeah, Brian, you mentioned to me that... It's Peter Renaday, but it's not. Peter well, Renaday did the Renaday. one. Peter did it in Florida for 20,000 okay. Leagues Under the Sea. I don't know who that narrator is. Yeah, if, if anybody listening knows who the narrator was. It's definitely yeah, not I, Peter Renaday. And you thought it might be Paul Fries. It's definitely not Paul Fries. Yeah, it's not I, him. I've heard his voice in other Disneyland attractions. But I'm not 100% sure who it is. So, so yeah, let us know if you're you, shouting at your uh, your radio right now. <laughs> Type it in the comments, please. If you're so, shouting at your TV. Yeah, TV. Or your TV. Yeah, your wind-up <laughs> Victrola. So, so the smoking lamp is out. That, that's pretty interesting. Uh, back uh, in the day, there was a central location away from combustible materials because fire was a big issue uh, in submarines back back then. And so you didn't want anything catching on fire underwater. <laughs> yeah. So the, the smoking lamp was an actual lamp with like a wick in it. And if you're in a smoke break, you can go and uh, light your cigarette there. But when you couldn't smoke, the smoking lamp was out. They and also, so at one it's point, the same had kind of that, stuck. They had that saying on the Disneyland Railroad at one point too. When Thurl Ravenscroft did the narration for the Disneyland Railroad, he said, "There's, there's no smoking, please. The smoking lamp is out." He said it also for it's, it is, it's no longer said, but for a while it was. Probably the same idea with a, a lamp in the smoking car, just. Yeah. Where everybody can go 
light up their cigars and talk about finances or whatever. <laughs> so your last one is from pretty obscure unknown attraction. What's that? Nobody's nobody ever rides this anymore. Yeah, this is like always a walk on. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> so what's this one, Brian? Oh, okay. I thought you were going to play the quote. This is from The Haunted Mansion that debuted in, I believe, 1969. Of course, the attraction building existed since, I want to say, 1963. Yep. And it just sat there being haunted. For <laughs> they were years collecting fall. ghosts, Brian. That's yeah, they what were collecting said. ghosts. That's what Marty Scars. Okay, that's <laughs> right. Uh, While well, everybody was busy working on the World's Fair. Uh, yep. Marty Scar was collecting ghosts, and in 69, <laughs> it opened up, and the ghost hosts one of Paul Free's most beloved roles in the Disney park. Do not this. pull down on the safety bar, please. I will lower it for you, and heed this warning. The spirits will materialize only if you remain quietly seated at all times. All right, so I'm like six foot four, and <laughs> I, whenever I get into the dune buggy, uh, I, my legs stick out, and when this safety bar comes down, it whacks me in the knee. Oh, so, oh really? <laughs> so, Funny. and it hurts like heck. But do you have to ride it by yourself because nobody else can fit in there with you? No, no, I can ride with like one oh. other. Can never do it with three. Yeah. So when Paul Freeze comes on the horn, it's my signal to kind of like side straddle the seat you know and bring my knees in yeah, so thanks a lot mr freeze for saving my knees <laughs> hey that rhymes yep <laughs> well ruthie's so, gonna go yeah, next. those were mine mine were all safety spiels and guy isn't that crazy how us disneyland fans like grab onto these quotes that are safety spiels and like repeat them i don't yeah. know any other place <laughs> like i don't know any safety spiels at six flags Right, it's true. They started stationing a cast member next to your car when the safety bar comes down. They sort of make sure that it went down, and they always yeah. just, just sort of put their hand on it. That was added later, years later. Originally, they didn't have anybody oh. standing there, and it came down by itself, and it was more mm -hmm. believable that a ghost was doing it. So yeah, that, that kind of reminds me of the cast members on the Autopia, how they would, like, guide your car in. <laughs> mm -hmm. Remember when yeah, they had that yep. pet accelerator pedal on the stand. outside? Yeah, on that. They would drive you yeah. in? That mm -hmm. was so cool. Well, Ruthie, what's your first? All right, so my first is from the original Star Tours attraction that opened in 1986. Okay. And you go ahead and play it, Chris. Hey, sorry folks, I'm sure to do better next time. It was my first flight and I'm still getting used to my programming. Hey! Hey! Of course, that is Captain Rex. He is the, um, the driver of the shuttle when you would get on the attraction. And he's voiced by Paul Rubens, one of my favorite guys. And I just love this attraction, but really, like, you, this attraction wouldn't be the same without hearing Captain Rex. And he is still alive in um, Galaxy's Edge now. He is the DJ, DJ in Oga's Cantina. Yay. So you can still hear him talk, and 
he's still voiced by Paul Rubens, and he he actually came and re-recorded some new vocals for the new character. And um, I just love I love Rex. I love Captain Rex. He's the the best. <laughs> I love Paul Rubens too. Yeah. <laughs> he was in one Disney film. If you know it, put it in the comments down there. See if you can guess. <laughs> Chris and I love that movie, by the way. All right, my next quote is, I mean, there's a lot of quotes from this attraction. This is Pirates of the Caribbean, but this is the one that I love the best. So go ahead and play it, Chris. Okay. Don't tell him, Carlos. Don't be cheeky. <laughs> so I just remember like hearing that when we would be, you know, slowly floating by the scene where uh, the mayor of the town is getting dunked by the pirates, and and the, his wife is yelling out the window at him. But this, the wife is voiced by June Foray, and um, I just love that she tells him like, "Don't tell him, don't be chicken," you know. <laughs> she's well, she's not really worried about pirate. him. She's worried about the money. Right. <laughs> care less and she's about all him. safe up there behind her shutters too. Yeah. Well, they do at one point shoot up at her, and she closed. She screams pots, and closes the, the the plant pots actually crack open, and then they go yeah. back together. Oh, I didn't know. I'll have to look for that. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool, and that's June Gray that voices yeah. her. Yep. Cool. You ready right. to move on? Yep. My next one is from Splash Mountain. These two vultures are the Boot Hill Boys. Now, I'm, I, I'm not sure who does the voice. Is Bill Lee one of them, maybe? I don't know. I'm not sure. I, think, I don't remember. I think he might have done it when they were in America Sings. Uh -huh. Yeah, I would, that was a great guess. I would um, say that's probably it. Yeah. So these are the vultures that, are, that you encounter as you were going up the hill to go down. And yes. I just really like the saying that they have when they're, while you're creeping up, click, 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 click. So go ahead and play it, Chris. So you're looking for a laughing place, eh? We'll show you a laughing place. Time to be turning around. If only you could. I just think that that saying just makes the whole um, part of the attraction more ominous, the way that they, the the voices are and that they're vultures and, you know, they're waiting, basically waiting for you to die, basically. So um, <laughs> I just think that's a, a fun part of the attraction. And then my last one. Let me just say before you move on, this picture oh, sure. is actually... These were actually animatronics originally in America Sings. And this picture is the America Sings version of it. And the one inside Splash Mountain, they are no longer wearing the top hats. The top hats, yeah. <laughs> but the one in Florida, which they had to build new ones, they are wearing top hats. So it's a little odd why that choice was made. Hmm. That's but interesting. Here wow. we go, Ruthie. All right, my last one is part of the Tiki Room, but it's really part of the pre-show that happens outside of the Enchanted Tiki Room before you actually go into the building. And this picture here is, is Tangaroa. Um, this is the last Tiki that um, introduces himself in, in the pre-show, and you can go ahead and play the clip, Chris. 
mystic powers, hear my call. From my limbs, let new life fall. That, that was Thurl Ravenscroft providing the voice of Tangaroa. And the cool thing that I, uh, why I picked this is because it's, it's pretty cool, like, um, how you're looking at this tree and you don't really expect anything to come out of it, but, the, but little baby tiki's come out of the yeah. limbs so it's it was always something that i liked and yeah. um and you know when tangaroa is talking you're about to get into the show too so <laughs> <laughs> so i just like those quotes i like okay. when somebody gets knocked in the head by one of those no <laughs> is that you because you're so tall <laughs> yeah Not you know, i speak from experience right <laughs> So the next uh, four are my selections, which are the best ones. Uh-huh. And yeah. the first one comes from uh, a extinct attraction. Is this the first extinct one that we've done? And that is, um, I'm, uh, I almost said America Sings, Adventures Sophia. Through Inner Space. And this is Paul Fries. We wish you an enlightening experience. For though your body will shrink, your mind will expand. So I sort of gravitate towards these little plays on words that they say. Like there's another one that I almost picked but I didn't pick. That she says, be sure to take all your personal belongings, including your imagination. And there's another one from Carousel of Progress where she says, Keep moving. Don't stand in the way of progress. I like those <laughs> I ones yeah. where they kind of do little funny plays on words. It kind of adds to the magic, I think. So although your body will shrink, your mind will expand, kind of falls under that. The other famous one from this was, of course, magnification. But out of the two, I think this one sort of strikes me a little bit more. So I picked this one. The next one is... Uh, personal favorite that I've always enjoyed and the narrator on this is actually his name is Fulton Burley and he was actually one of the stars of the Golden Horseshoe Review he also provided the voice of one of the parrots in the Enchanted Tiki Room but uh, this is just one that always gave me shivers like when I heard it when writing it it always just sort of gave me chills I just thought it was so I don't know. What's the word? Powerful? Just sort of shivered your timbers, huh? Yes, (laughs) it just sort of struck me. Journey with us now, just as our hardy forefathers did in the days of wooden ships and iron men. So again, that one's sort of a play on words again. I sort of like those. Now, the next one comes from one of my favorites. And this is Paul Fries again. And uh, this is... uh, There's so many you could pick from the Haunted Mansion. But out of all of them, I think Brian picked probably my second favorite. This is probably my favorite little... So many fun little things that he says. But this one just always sort of struck me as fun, especially because 
the thing I do when I go on the Haunted Mansion, because I just sort of like to take in everything and look at things and take my time. I'm in no rush. Once I'm inside the house, I'm in no hurry to get on the Doom Buggy because there's so much to see and experience. So I sort of tend to stand the further, a lot of people are like, oh, the doors are over there, let's stand over there. When they're in the stretch room, they know where the where it opens. I do the opposite. I know where it's going to open, but I usually stand the opposite side of the room. Because I want to be the last one. Because I don't want to be rushed when we go out into the hallway. I want to be in the back so I can just take my time and look at the pictures and hear the sounds and see the, you know, the music and just experience. So I'm usually the last one in the group. So if you insist on lagging behind, you may not need to volunteer, sort of pertains to me specifically. There are several prominent ghosts who have retired here from creepy old crypts all over the world. Actually, we have 999 happy haunts here. But there's room for a thousand. Any volunteers? <laughs> if you insist on lagging behind, you may not need to volunteer. So I just always thought that was so funny, especially because usually when I hear it, I'm the one, in, I'm the last one in the room. <laughs> you get freaked out, you're like, oh crap, let me go. <laughs> I'm, more, I'm more like, hey, I, I'm all in. I'm, I'll live here. I'm fine with that. <laughs> You're all in, huh? Yeah. <laughs> so the last one comes from a classic Disney attraction. They've actually, they re-recorded it in 83, but they actually originally used the Bobby Driscoll recording of this in 55 when the attraction first opened. This has always been heard, but they put in a better recording of it in the 80s with better sound. And that's what we're going to hear here. But this just always makes me, it gives me chills because it's like we're about to experience a magical journey. And it's just like, it lifts your heart up. It lifts your spirits. It just, it gives me that special magic you can only get from Disneyland. Come on, everybody. Here we go. Off to Neverland. So the attraction always had, and we're going to actually very soon be talking about all these things, but the attraction originally from day one had a projection of a shadow on the wall that looked like Peter Pan that they scanned against the wall as you passed, and you would hear that. Come on, everybody, here we go off to Neverland. And uh, then you, the doors to the nursery would open and you would fly out and fly over London. Very magical. So even though the original version didn't have any children in the nursery, and the nursery was very simple, I think there was maybe a bed and a dresser and some building blocks and that was it. They always had the, the projected Peter Pan from the day the attraction opened. So that is our new segment. I hope everybody enjoyed that. If you have any ideas or suggestions, suggestions on future things we could do quotes for, like we thought of a few, like we could do animated features, we could do Walt Disney quotes, we could do 
live action film quotes. There's any number. We could do other parks. We could do Epcot Center quotes. If you have any suggestions, let us know. And uh, we have another very special segment for you coming right up. Tonight's the night the Mickey Mouse is I saw the world differently than everyone else. That didn't sit well with some people. But I wasn't for everyone. I guess they were always scared that I'd be a psycho. <laughs> but a new day brings new opportunities. And I was ready to make a statement. How does the saying go? I am woman, hear me roar. I'm just getting started, darling. Is. I was born brilliant, born bad, and a little bit mad. <laughs> So in case you haven't guessed already, we're going to talk about Cruella, the live-action Disney film that just came out about a month ago. And before we get started, I just want to warn you that this is not going to be a spoiler-free review. So if you don't want any spoilers, you may want to fast-forward to our next segment, which is Armchair Imagineering. So, that being said, I actually watched Cruella last night and all three of us have seen this film so we're all able to contribute to this topic originally my thinking was ruthie who saw it first was gonna do the review then we all sort of jumped on board so this is all three of us all of our impressions but because it was originally ruthie's uh baby i'm gonna let her go first then i'll let brian talk about it and I will go last because I have a lot to say about this film uh -oh. <laughs> Chris rant warning you sure you don't want to go first so you just get yeah, it off your chest then we no 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 I don't want anything I say 
I don't want anything I say to influence your impressions. It will, believe me. <laughs> I mean, then you have to let us rebuttal because... Um, you can rebuttal I mean, I after... I, I'm not, I don't have really to have the I final say. I'm not, I don't, I don't have to have the final say, Ruthie. I'm going to say my opinion. You are more than welcome to rebuttal after. I don't, I'm not going to cut you off. Go ahead. Yeah, I just, I'm in no way am I saying this is a perfect movie, but I thought it was really fun. I really, really like the setting of it. 1970s London. Um, I think Emma Stone was so good in this movie. She was, like, perfect. I really think she was perfect in this role. Um, I I liked the way that they changed the story up. And, and uh, I gotta say, it's not it's not a lot of focus on dogs, which is fine. It's really her. You, you know, you kind of think, like, because 101 Dalmatians is all about dogs, it, you're, well, you think the that there's got to... What was that? <laughs> the, title the title sort of yeah. implies that. Um, yeah. yeah, but this movie—I mean, while they're there, this—it's it's by no means the focus at all of the movie. It is about her, and um, and I liked how the story kind of unfolded, where you know you you see her as a a little child and kind of get a little bit of a glimpse into her what her childhood was like, and. And you kind of see a progression of how she was just an innocent girl into what she becomes at the end of the film. Spoiler, Cruella. So, um, which is not even her name. That was kind of it's like a name ego. that she took on as like, yeah, her alter ego when, when she her would get upset. Her mother came up like with that. it as sort of a yeah. nickname because her real name was... Um, forget what her real name was but it, it sounded kind of like Cruella it was like a something la and so Cruella was sort of her mother's don't act like a Cruella so um I... is that all you have to say did you did we lose you Ruthie um we, you... You gotta start over, Ruthie, because you cut out. I yeah. can hear you now. Um, can you hear me ahead. now? Yes, go ahead. Yeah, so I just thought it was really good. Um, I liked it a lot. The The one thing that I was thinking back on it and um, that kind of bothered me, I don't want to say bothered, but they, they have a lot of really cool songs in the film, but I feel like they overdid it a little bit. Um, there's just song after song after song, and they could have cut it down a little bit. But um, Speaking other of song, than that, somebody's blasting their radio outside <laughs> my window. I'm sorry, folks. Yeah, but other than that, like the fashion in this is amazing. Emma Thompson is amazing. I mean, she is on point. She is, you know, she's the the villain of the film, and she is a villain. And and it's funny because she has two dogs that are Dalmatians that are... Three. Yeah, that's right, three. Um, that are kind of villainous with her. So yeah. um, I just think that this... Um, I really like it. I really like this story. I, re I will be watching this movie again. And um, I just think it's a fun twist on the story. And her name is Estella. 
Estella, that's right. Estella. Yeah, it's sometimes just, I had to look just, it up. Sometimes they call her <laughs> Stella. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not yeah. saying that once you talk about that you can't. I'm done. Yeah. Yeah, you. This, this is, is a back done. and forth. This is not a. <laughs> I'm never done. <laughs> right. I want Ruthie to have the last say because I, I like. That. Well, sh- that can happen I'm a big depending Ruthie on where fan. the conversation I'm a big goes. Ruthie fan her getting the last say. Thanks, Brian. <laughs> All right, so Brian. So for me, yeah, I go ahead. had no desire to watch this whatsoever. <laughs> Zero. I mean, I was not going to see it. Mm-hmm. But I had a free ticket, and I really wanted to eat some popcorn in the theater. Yeah, so you just had a I'm ticket like, to the movies. You weren't planning on specifically going to this, or were you? Nope. And so I looked at what was playing at the Santicos yeah. here in San Antonio. That's yeah. our... That's our awesome Your theater local. chain out here. Yeah. And I'm like, Cruella, well, yeah, I'll watch that, and maybe we'll talk about it in a May future well. podcast. And yeah. here we are. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I'm with Ruthie. I love the setting. I, I was like, is this going to be good? What is this going to be like? I don't really like Emma Stone at all. I never liked her in any other movies she's been in, but I love Emma I'm Thompson. So that was kind of Emma Tom- I, I love Emma Thompson, Emma Stone. I have no, no real I don't like opinion. her. I, I, yeah, I wouldn't I say I don't, don't like, like her, her but yes. I don't love her. Yeah. But Emma Thompson I do love, you know, probably mostly for her role in saving Mr. Banks. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, and so like Ruthie said, what an outstanding villain. And yeah. with Emma Stone, I I didn't like her character in this movie. And I didn't like her at the end. So mm-hmm. it didn't it I'm, didn't harm my yeah. my thought of who Cruella was as a person. Mm-hmm. So she was she was evil to start with. She was evil to end with. <laughs> Even though maybe okay. she got a little bullied, but I think she kind of thrived on that. <laughs> she yeah. thrived on being bullied. And she it kinda like defined, internalized that and yeah. then kind of took it and find her character. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Uh, I, I loved Horace and Jasper, so those those characters really surprised me. Mm-hmm. Um, I even like the her little sidekick uh, fashion guy. <laughs> oh was, yes! Uh, oh my gosh! Yeah. I love him too. I'm trying to think of who, who Mr. played Humphreys. him. Mr. Humphreys. I'm free. <laughs> yeah. Reminded yeah. me of Mr. Humphreys. He was like a cross between David Bowie and Mr. Humphreys. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love so, that. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I, I don't have really too much else to say. I would say, like to see a movie about great. him. Storyline was great. Um, <laughs> it was evil. It was very dark and evil, and that was kind of odd for a Disney film for me. But yeah. I did have one gripe, and that was how it ended. I, I don't think Emma Thompson got just punishment at the end. She should have died. I'm sorry. <laughs> she should have died. And I don't know why she's just like, getting carted off in a in a you know an armed vehicle to go to I prison. Have a, I have a <laughs> I have a plot hole at the end that I'm gonna bring yeah. up that you probably didn't think of, but when I well, say well, it, you're gonna be like, oh yeah. <laughs> like how it was set in Regents Park, and that's where mm-hmm. Anita yep. and and, and uh, Roger. 
Roger met at, in the animated classic. Uh, I liked how when she moved into the, what was it, Hellman's, Hellman's Mansion? Hellman's, Hellman's Hall. Hall. Hellman hey. Hall, not Hellman's, Hellman not the mayonnaise. Yeah, not the mayonnaise <laughs> hall. <laughs> Hellman Hall, so when she moved in there, she went up and like took the man out and said Hell Hall, which, you know, of course, was where Horace and Jasper were keeping all the puppies. So lots of neat little Easter eggs that tied into the yeah, animated classic. And, and I like that because that just tells me that the people that made this film did look at the original classic for inspiration. That's important to me when they make these new live action films is they kind of respect the history and the franchise that way. So yeah, Emma Thompson should died. I'm sorry. She, she <laughs> didn't deserve to live. She was evil. evil. Alright. Are you ready for me? Do it. Okay, so first of all, I do agree with with Brian that one thing... Okay, there are things about this movie I liked. I didn't hate every aspect of it, okay, first and foremost. I did like the setting. I did like the time period, even though I felt it was an odd choice, because the original takes place contemporarily, and it was made in 1961, so why her backstory takes place 15 years after that, I have no idea. But it was an artistic choice. But one of the things that bothered me about this film was they were trying to have things both ways. They were trying to like pay homage to the original, but then at the same time totally discredit everything stated in the original. They were trying to do both at the same time, and it just, to me, made it confusing and messy. Now, second of all, um, Emma Stone, this was, this was the Emma Stone film to me. I loved her character, I loved her performance, but to me, she was the Cruella of the film, and Cruella was a wimp compared to her, and didn't have, didn't impress me as much as Emma Stone's character did. And to me, she totally made Cruella, she, she diluted that character completely. Wait, you're and talking about Emma Thompson's character, Emma Thompson, right? yes, yeah. Emma Thompson, the, the older lady, She's the, the baroness. baroness. The Baroness, yes. Yeah. Oh, was, now I'm tracking with you. It yeah, was yeah, her I film. Was like, Wait a minute. <laughs> this was her, yeah. she stole, the, she stole the film. Yeah. It was, it should have been called yeah. The Baroness. <laughs> it, th that was what this movie was more about to me. And um, Emma Stone's character was just... was wishy-washy compared to her. And I just felt like she didn't have enough power, she didn't have enough oomph in that role. She she was, was good really at... like The Devil she, Wears Prada. She was Anne Hathaway. It was, yeah. it was definitely took influence from yeah, that. Yeah, and that was yeah. all about Meryl Streep. Yeah. Yep. So the other thing is that um, the the movie had to explain everything, every single detail about this character, like why her hair is that color, why she <laughs>, laughs the way she laughs because she stole it from from an old star from the 30s who she saw in a movie. It's not even her laugh. She. And her personality and everything, she's trying to copy the Baroness. 
nothing about her was original. She's copying other people. She's, you know, everything was... It, it, I just felt like you don't have to explain every single thing. And then while they're trying to explain everything and try to tie it into the original movie, then they, like, break the rules of that and add things. Like the fact that she gave a Dalmatian to the Ratcliffs at the end. That's not what happened in the original movie. In the original movie, they met each other with their Dalmatians in the park. So they totally didn't get that. And then um, Horace and Jasper I thought were good, but I felt that they didn't take it far enough. They weren't enough of a comedy relief. They needed more comedy in those characters because in the original portrayal, there's much more of an extreme there. And they was much more subtle in this, and I didn't like it. In some cases, that might be preferable. In this one, I don't think it worked. But I did appreciate what they were trying to do, but they should have taken it further. Um, I did like Artie as a character. He needs his own separate movie, just about him, <laughs> because I enjoyed him, but not in this movie. Um, I liked the time period, but I didn't like it for this movie. I liked Emma Thompson, but not with, not in a Cruella movie. She needs her own movie as that character. Um, the fact that they were coming up with excuses for her bad behavior, meaning Cuella, like the reason she hates Dalmatians is because they killed her mother. Again, that's why I hated Maleficent, because every bad thing she does was justified. They had to write it into the script that everything, she's not the villain, she's the victim. And that's what they were doing here too, and I hate that. Because you take away from the power of the original character when you give her a reason for hating Dalmatians. There was no fur at all mentioned or dealt with in this movie. There was one scene where she was wearing a coat with Dalmatian print on it. And the public thought it was a real coat, but it turns out it was just fake fur. And she admits to that. And Horace and Jasper were the ones that were adamantly opposed to doing anything to the dogs and in the original movie they could care less like they were just there to do whatever she wanted and in this movie their feelings were hurt and you know one of them was going to leave because she hurt his feelings and so she had to be less mean to him and it was just now the big plot hole happens at the end of the film right so um she forges the will when she finds it in that little box that the key opens because the, the the gem that belonged to her mother actually concealed the key and it opened this box that contained her birth certificate and the emma thompson's characters the, the baroness's last will and testament she changed her last will and testament to say that cruella would be the um, heir to her entire fortune. But the thing is, the character never died in the movie. So how does she end up with Hell Hall, or Hellman Hall, because Emin, because the character didn't die, she's still alive. So how is she already inheriting it when she's in jail, she's not dead? Yep, 
She should have died. She <laughs> should have died because it doesn't make any sense. And then was they it, tried. Was they, it the Baroness's husband's will? I don't know what I it was. I think it was but, that. Oh yeah. Who knows? But anyway, Who was already dead. We'll have to wait until August when it comes out for free. The thing is, I just felt like another thing that bothered me is. I think they were spot on with every character as far as their look, their hair, their fashion. It was definitely mid-70s. They had the sort of, what do you call that type of haircut that was popular that Mrs. Brady had a, a shag. All the men had shag haircuts, which was definitely what was happening at that time. All the women's fashions were spot on, except for one character, Cruella. Her fashions were totally not anything that was happening in London or anywhere else in the world. The safety pins on her jacket, that was maybe late 70s at the most. Definitely not when she was a child in the late in the mid 60s when this when the safety pins were shown, she was still a 12-year-old, but she had safety pins pinned along the lapel of her jacket. That was not a thing until much later like madonna times that was like a punk thing punk was was still evolving at that point it, the seeds were planted at that time but the safety pin look nobody had done that i don't know why they made certain choices like that for her character i just felt it took me out of the time period and then the I other thing with that, with that particular thing, I think what they were trying to portray is that she is a trendsetter. She has these ideas, even from when she's a child. That yeah, they, I know what I I thought that, that myself, but I just felt that was just you gotta stick. There's gotta be certain rules if you want to have a period piece. You can't go that far because it doesn't work and. The other thing that bothered me was her hair being naturally that color and then everybody being disgusted by her hair and thinking she's a freak when she was a baby because her hair's black and white. I don't get that. I don't understand why that was part of the film. Why couldn't the black and white hair be a fashion statement? That's what I always thought it was. It was purposely dyed that way. That's what I thought in the, in the 60s version that that was her aesthetic and to make it her natural hair color was just an odd choice and it kind of bugged me because again every single thing had to be somehow explained and I just hated that why do you have to explain every detail why can't some things just be a mystery it, it takes away from the magic of the character when you know every detail about this person in order to appreciate the character but, um, I just feel like they just, again, this is what they did with Maleficent, and I hated it. So, there are things I enjoyed about the film, but it definitely wasn't Cruella. If they had left her out of the movie, I probably would have enjoyed it more. If it was just, uh, Emma Thompson's character, and no other, it was just about her, then I probably would have liked it. I felt she was more of a Cruella than, than, than Emma Stone in any regard. 
and um, I don't know. I know a lot of people may not agree with my opinion, but Cruella DeVille has always been my favorite Disney villain, and I'm just very protective of that character, and I feel like they did not do her justice here, and I feel, I feel slighted and offended by it. I, I don't think there's any reason you have to give these villains a backstory and excuse their bad behavior, and the fact that her storyline had nothing to do with fur coats, and they actually came up with a reason why she hated Dalmatians really rubbed me the wrong way. The whole point of her being a villain is that she is vain and selfish and she's more concerned with how beautiful a spotted Dalmatian fur coat would look than she is about the lives of the people she would destroy by creating that coat. And it takes away from that. And it makes I her sympathetic. The, I think the film does go there. Like, as you were talking, I'm thinking about it. I'm like, I feel like this film really leaned into um, the how her turning bad. Like, I don't really feel like they leaned into it in, um, in Maleficent like they did in this film. They really, I think they really just directed it that way. And, and she is at the end of the film because, of course, this is... An, a quote-unquote origin story so of course she's not going to start out that way um this is not a remake of 101 dalmatians so you know you see her as things happen she just becomes more evil more selfish more vain more just about herself more narcissistic and and by the end of the film that's what you're end you end up with and the the part about the dogs she gives those Dalmatian puppies, one to Roger and one to Anita, they're separate. They've, they've never met each other, or if they met each other, it was like in passing. So basically when she gives those dogs to the, to the characters, it's like Cruella was the one who set them up, almost. Because that's how they meet, through the dogs. I like, the, I like how they meet in the animated classic. Like the dogs initiate the meeting. Yeah, Roger and Anita didn't even. Roger and Anita didn't know each other in the movie before their dogs had an encounter. They had their dogs before they met. Is to make a sequel. Yeah. Because this movie is super successful. Yeah. And there will be a live-action remake of the original. It's already planned. They've already. Yeah. Said well, a sequel of this. Of this. Yeah, yeah. Of this. The same characters, minus... Maybe if uh, Emma, Emma Thompson isn't in the next one, it'll be better because it'll give Emma Stone more of an opportunity to be the one who steals the show. Yeah. We'll have to wait. Yeah, and see. yeah that could be. Yeah. I don't know, I just really liked it. I liked how they... I they... like many things about it, but the way they portrayed Coella really bothered me. I think I like that part the best because, like I said, they did not shy away from making her evil. It's just I, a progressive. I, I think that step we disagree on that. To that. I think uh, that we disagree on that. Um, I don't know. I just feel like she was. She just. I don't. Know. And then the fact that Hell Hall was this beautiful estate in the. In the original film, it was this run-down, dilapidated 
How did it turn from that to the dilapidated, rundown place that it became by the time the puppies were kidnapped? I don't. That wasn't. That couldn't have been that long of a time period. So that didn't I mean, make any sense. You don't to me keep either. up the house. Yeah, Corolla was pretty destructive. We saw that yeah. throughout the month. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> So, I don't know. I liked it. You guys should watch it and, and see for yourself um, what you think. But Emma Stone is really good in... Um, I'm blanking on the movie now. Um, in the movie La that... La La Land? Yeah, La La Land. I love La La Land. And she's really good in that movie. So uh, I couldn't even get through the first 15 minutes. What? That is such a good <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh my gosh. That's such a good well, movie. I'll try to give it another chance for you. Yeah. <laughs> Damien Chazelle is a great director, and um, he made one, one of my other favorite movies, which is uh, Whiplash. So, um, I, I mean, it's just, just great in that. But anyway, that's off topic. Um, go check out Corilla and give us comments on what you guys think. Yeah, tell us how much you hate it. Or <laughs> love it. It's or, fine to like it. Or enjoyed it. Like yeah. <laughs> the other thing that sort of bothered me was, and I agree with Ruthie, too much music that had nothing to do with the plot. They just, at one point, it just seemed like, like they were playing songs just to play songs. Yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, I remember that song. I like that song. Therefore, I like this movie because oh, I like the gosh. song. That was. The a lot of comments were about the soundtrack and people going nuts. I gotta get that soundtrack. I gotta yeah, get well, it. the soundtrack is great, but like, yeah. it has nothing to do with the movie. Right. I mean, they're just songs that were written 30, 40, 50 years ago. They're not... <laughs> they're not what this yeah. movie is. They're conflating the movie with the soundtrack when they're two completely different things. It's like, um... You can go on YouTube and find every one of those songs and make your own playlist. Because they're they're all songs that most of the people who wrote them and performed in them are not bothering with, with enforcing copyright anymore. That's how old they are. <laughs> there was a version of a, an Ike and Tina Turner version of Come Together. That is still very much copyrighted but <laughs> well <laughs> the Beatles sometimes song, you but, can yeah. still find them on YouTube anyway but anyway um yeah so my final verdict let's each give it a letter grade I give it a C plus Ruthie me next or Brian yeah, yeah I'll go whoever wants to uh, go. I'm gonna give it like a B minus okay but it would have been a B if the popcorn tasted better. Oh. <laughs> I had no issue with my popcorn. Well, I was already bummed out about my crappy tasting popcorn. Yeah. And then I was, like, watching this movie. So, so you're taking it, the popcorn out on the movie. Yeah, <laughs> of course. Why not? I am. <laughs> but they have no control over that, Brian. <laughs> I know. I'm just creeping around here. Yeah. It's a solid B. It's a solid B for me. Yeah, I'm kind of A minus B plus. Okay. So I, I don't want to like that A is a is, that's a strong rating. So um, 
but I still, I, I just think this is worth it. I really liked it. I thought it was just a fun time watching something that totally, you know, took me out of my world for a little bit, which is why we all want to watch movies. So, I mean, that's, that's good for me. Good point. Yeah. Well, I mean, I wouldn't give it an I mean, Schindler's List like, is sort of a, as a bummer, but. Uh, Schindler's <laughs> List is, is a one and done. You cannot watch that movie. I love that movie. That movie destroyed me. Oh, I know. Destroyed. I I don't think I'd be able to sit through it a second no, time. Okay. It's pretty. And the older pretty, you get, the more you know about what is yeah. actually happening. Is yeah. the worst it is. Yeah. Wow, I was going to talk about Christopher Robin real quick, but then. Oh. You got... <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a great movie. That, that was an well, A. That movie one I would probably that give really cool a, an A minus. Thing at the end, you know, Sherman playing yep. Richard Sherman Richard playing Sherman. the piano on the beach. Yeah. yeah. But there was no moment like that. Like the the great one of the greatest Disney songs, Cruella de Vil. You know, they played it a I little think, bit at the end. Yeah, but, then but the I thought it deserved. Yeah, I thought it deserved the treatment that. that yeah, uh, I agree. Uh, the Hundred Acre Woods song did had in Christopher Robin. It didn't have that. And then the yeah. song in the end credits was like a different version of the song. Yeah, it wasn't the same. It was song. like the Carly Simon. Carly Simon. Different thing. Different that you wouldn't even say it's the same song. So yeah, no, I totally wasn't. agree on that. Yeah. Okay, so um, what's your grade, Ruthie? Before we move on. I said A minus B. Oh, slash you B did plus. say. All right, well, let's move on to our next segment, Armchair Imagineering. One little spark of inspiration is at the heart of all creation. Right at the start of everything that's new, one little spark lights up for you. Oh, my. Imagination, imagination. A dream can be a dream come true with just that spark in me and you. Well, we're going to do another round of armchair imagineering, and for this uh, round, we're going to stick with the patriotic theme because of the upcoming holiday. And we each decided to come up with an attraction or in some cases bring back an a something or in some cases revise or change an existing thing. Yeah, but it, the, the overarching theme here is these are all going to be patriotic attractions. And the only criteria I gave is you have to say where you would put it in a park. You couldn't just create an attraction without it having a logical place that it would fit in. So each of us came up with a concept and we're going to share it right now. And Brian's going to go first. And as you can see, his idea is being called... The Carousel of the United States Armed Forces. Brian, why don't you explain what your armchair Imagineering idea is? Okay, well, when Chris gave, gave me the theme of uh, patriotic attraction, my mind immediately went to the military. I've spent some time in the Air Force, so... And one of the things... You know, I worked in recruiting for a little bit, and one of the things we discovered 
was a lot of people don't know too much about the military anymore. <laughs> so that was kind of a, a message when I was in recruiting to try to get that word out to, to people that, hey, the military can be fun and enjoyable career, a rewarding career. So I decided to take what is in uh, Tomorrowland. I think right now it's like the uh, it's like Star Wars and Marvel stuff over there. Or the old carousel go, of progress. This could go in Florida in the still carousel of progress. Could be a replacement. It, it could. It could replace the current version. But guy, that's that's timeless. I, I don't know. Yeah. I love that attraction. <laughs> can't can't mess with that. That's the one of the longest running uh, shows ever. So no, I'm not gonna mess with that. But in Disneyland. The old Carousel of Progress America Sings building is just kind of a hodgepodge of what's popular with the company now. So let's just yeah. stop doing that because now we have Avengers Campus and Galaxy's Edge. So we can do all the Star Wars and Marvel stuff over there. Uh-huh. And we can turn this into the Carousel of the United States Armed Forces. So, so let me just kind of explain how this is going to work. You guys ready? Mm-hmm. No. <laughs> so. Do it. All right. Stop. So everybody's, it's its going to be like the Carousel of Progress. Everybody comes in, they sit down, and there's the curtain, and on the curtain will be like a a crest with the four service uh, emblems represented. You see oh, the, not the logo the, uh, I made for you? Yeah, no, go ahead and go to the next slide there. Okay. Next slide, please. Yeah, so that's the United States Army, and each service has this kind of uh, patch or and that'll be on this curtain and so what we're going to have is a cast member is going to come out the MC but they're going to be dressed in full uniform so they're actually going to be an active duty military recruiter that is also a part time cast member and they're going to welcome the audience and direct our attention to the center curtain there and the is going to briefly explain the, the need for volunteers to serve and ask if anyone out there is interested in joining the military. After a few seconds of, of quiet, <laughs> maybe something <laughs> silent. No, no, just hey, we didn't know we were getting a sales pitch. We just thought we I were. Know. <laughs> you kind of know what you're getting into when you call on the attraction. So. After a few seconds of uncomfortable silence, we're going to hear this familiar high-pitched voice that we all recognize to be Mickey Mouse, and he's going to say, I do! <laughs> and the curtain oh, will rise, and on, sc- on screen, he's going to shout, Sure, that's for me, pal. And But what service do you think is best? And the cast member will say, Why don't we just visit all four, at- and afterwards, we'll decide which one's the best fit for you. So we hear a stirring military march and the audience rotates to the next theater and on the set we see a large tank with an open hatch in a wooded area and this is going to represent the army and so Mickey is actually fully uh, auto like he's a animatronic and he's going to hit stage left and he's going to walk towards the tank. There's a battle uh, going on outside my window. You hear that? <laughs> Somebody's shooting I off the I can hear the background music. Be loud oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, Vicky's going to kind of walk along this track along with the cast member and they'll approach the tank 
and the the CM recruiter is gonna take the role as the Oh, Brian, sudden, you have see, to say that last part over again because your mic cut out. Yeah, I, I'm catering a lot of loud background audio in my. I'm not hearing anything, but I can hear you fine now. Maybe if I just turn that down. So, the cast is going to guide Mickey, who's an audio animatronic, to the the sudden pop of the hat starts to explain what he does. So, obviously, no one really understanding what Donald is saying, and it's important he understands, so we're looking at the audience and said, I think we need some help understanding what Donald is saying. Ask some former military heroes to help us out. And at that point, the screen is going to descend from the ceiling, and on it we see Captain America and Captain Marvel in their superhero <laughs> gear. <laughs> they could be part of this attraction. So in yeah, turn, they quickly describe... to Marvel campus. Yeah, well, you got to get the Marvel in it for the kids, you know? Okay. There has to be, there has to be Marvel in it. There's got to be something they they like. And for them to, to understand that Captain America and Captain Marvel were both prior to Brian, so, you're gone again. Yeah, you know, I, I don't know why. Well, why don't we why oh. don't we come back to you, Brian, and hopefully by the time we come back to you we'll have um, your mic will be working better. In the meanwhile we can have Ruthie do hers. So Ruthie, why don't you talk about yours and we'll come back to Brian's. Okay. Um so mine is kind of like a, Chris called it Avenue of the Americas 2.0, um, kind of like a really, this is not going to make it sound very good, but let me talk about it a little bit more. But it's going to be a whole bunch of different streets representing like famous cities across America with um, different um icons that represent that city as well but mainly it's going to be like a really awesome food court and i am going to put this in um the in hollywood studios and so what this is going to be is it's going to be like whole different areas like a street that per city and um so here like the first street is going to represent los angeles and one of the um, one, one of the uh, icons that um, I don't know you may or may not know, but there's a place called Alvera Street in downtown LA area, and it represents a lot of the Hispanic culture. They have like Hispanic food and things like that. So something along that line, where it's just like a street and there's like parks and there's shops and but mostly restaurants and there's a lot of outdoor dining and things like that. So the Los Angeles street is going to have Alvera Street. It's also going to have some other Los Angeles icons, such as Randy's Donuts. You guys have all seen this in um, films and stuff like that. The restaurant with the actual real donut. Yeah. And um, the other thing is that another icon that they have in Hollywood is Pink's Donuts. I, I mean, why did I, donut? Hot I was dogs. looking at the donut. Pink's Hot Dogs, yeah. yes. <laughs> so we're going to go from like the Hispanic to kind of like the American food that um, represent 
the Los Angeles city of Los Angeles. And so it's going to just be this whole big street that kind of keeps all of these options that really represent uh, the city of LA and along with these icons. Uh, another example is um, this picture of New Orleans. Now this is in Florida. So they don't have New Orleans Square. So I'm going to make like a street like Bourbon Street here where it's just rows of of different buildings you know they have the the iconic um architecture of new orleans and and you'll be able to go into all of these places and experience different types of food maybe they'll have like a gumbo bar or something like that and you know uh beignets and things like that that definitely represent new orleans um a couple of the other cities that we don't have pictures for but that i want to have is uh, New York City, so you know, I want to have like a street of New York um, City with like the um, Statue of Liberty in the background and again something similar to this New Orleans picture where you can go into different buildings and and get foods and, and shop and things like that. Another um, thought that I had was um, St. Louis, um, so they'll have like the St. Louis Arch and then buildings where you can get um, some, you know, souvenirs and also a lot of uh, barbecue food that st louis you know um missouri is is known for you know different types of barbecue and then another city i was thinking of is san francisco so you can have the um the bridge the san francisco bridge and then you can um you know the they golden have a, gate, a you mean yeah the golden gate bridge yes <laughs> and uh san francisco has a lot of um you know ch uh chinese food and um like different types of things there so like then a chinatown area exactly um but and then also the the last city that i was thinking of is you would have chicago so you could have like the buildings and like the water running through it the way that downtown chicago does and then they would serve chicago style pizza so um i just really want to do like and this is going to be like a big area this is not just one street representing different cities it's a street per city so just going to be this huge thing this huge area where you can be able to pick any multiple style streets food. yeah multiple streets and that's why i think it would go well in hollywood studios because that's kind of the similar setup that they already have there and then they could just build on you know to the back of you know the park or whatever and add this there and and i just think it would would be a real uh, you know nice homage to to the type of food and different um different uh styles of cuisine that we have that represents america because we have all styles here and i i think that would be fun disney parks are known for their food no so. rhode island no providence what, what is what is providence known for probably like <laughs> seafood lobster oh, okay. i mean we could do like a main kind of a thing you know yeah. something like that yeah. like yeah. A, a pier yeah i mean you could just do a whole so New England, maybe. Yeah. Yep. Mm -hmm. So Brian, hopefully your mic is working now. We'll get back to you. So we left off. We were talking about the army. Okay, I'm back. You guys hear me? Okay. I can hear you better now. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so where were we, Captain America? You were Captain describing America. the America's the army scene. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, the army scene, Donald Duck in a tank with Captain America and Captain Marvel are kind of narrating, sort of. Is Pete going to be the drill sergeant, like in the cartoons? 
Who? Donald? <laughs> no, Pete. Oh, Pete. You know, I didn't include Pete. Sorry. Sorry, no, Pete fans. Let's include him now, because he should be the drill sergeant. Okay. Well, maybe Pete will be there. Okay. Yeah, in the background, yelling at Donald, so not a bad idea. How about the so, chipmunks? Are they going to be hibernating inside a cannon? I got some coming on here. Okay. So after the video showcasing other jobs in the army, uh, Donald exclaims, Who needs all that fooey? Driving a tank and blowing up things is more fun. <laughs> At which point, Donald descends the hatch, and the tank moves forward, and the turret rotates, and Donald aims at a nearby tree and shouts, Ready, aim, fire. The tree begins to fall, and we see an audio-animatronic Chippendale fall to the ground. They get up uh -oh. and climb inside the tank, and all the audience hears is a commotion of Chippendale giving Donald a piece of their minds. The army song begins to play, and the theater rotates to the next. On the halls of Mon Oh, is yeah, that the right exactly. Yeah. Yeah, here's where Chris can totally sing, and it'll mean something. From the halls of Montezuma <laughs> to the That's shores right. of Tripoli. So we so the move next to scene. the next scene. Yeah, yep. Mickey and the recruiter are on a deck of an aircraft carrier. It's really windy, and the carrier is rocking back and forth as if at sea. And on top of the carrier, there's an F-14, and the recruiter begins to explain uh, about the Navy and is interrupted by Captain Marvel as the same screen comes down, and she starts to explain the duties of a pilot because you know, she was a pilot. Uh, and afterwards, she says all this flying around and cruising the ocean has made her really hungry, at which point the carrier, the whole carrier with the plane on it moves up, and we see a cutaway of the interior of below decks. And so we're in the galley. This sounds more and Navy than see... Marines, but Marines sort of covers oh, more than one. Oh, yeah, we're in the Navy next. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> I did, it the... did I do it in the... I thought you said... Army, Mar did oh, I messed yeah. up. Well, the keep Navy. talking, and I'll switch pictures for you, Brian. <laughs> okay. Because I was all confused. Go ahead. All I'll right, go back to right. the Marines Bob after. Bob Chapek's listening already, and he's already like, no way. This is gonna <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Bob. I'll try better next time. We'll move to the Marines next, but go ahead, Brian. Okay, so we're still with the Navy, so uh, we're in the galley low decks and we see Donald now in his sailor outfit and he's still a little scratched up from his fight with Chippendale and he's serving spaghetti and meatballs to Minnie Mouse who's also in the same Navy attire and these are all audio animatronic characters by the way just just like uh, you know the, the Mickey Mouse review yeah thanks and so Mickey sees Minnie and he asks Minnie what she does in the Navy and she's explains that she's an aircraft mechanic on the deck and is on her dinner break. She's Rosie the and... Riveter. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Minnie the Riveter. So Captain Marvel and Captain America again come down and they explain the importance of the service personnel who provide essential services for all aboard the ship and we can smell all the delicious food that's being cooked in the galley and Meanwhile, we see Minnie finish her meal and head up a stairwell, and as she ascends the, those steps, the carrier descends so that we're back above deck, and we see Minnie with her toolbox repairing the F-14, at which point Goofy appears one of those, and climbs... One of those shields on her face, right? Huh? One of those shields that they wear when they're welding. 
Oh yeah, yeah. She could totally have that over her yeah. eyes if she's That's welding picture, some yeah. some parts of the plane that Goofy uh, ruined on his previous mission, no <laughs> <Okay>. doubt. <laughs> so Minnie with her toolbox is repairing the F-14. Goofy appears and climbs into the cockpit. The engine fires up, and the plane is about to take off before the recruiter shouts, "Hey, Goofy! Don't forget to close the cockpit hatch." And we hear Goofy say, "Gosh!" and the Navy song and the theater rotates Anchors to the next Anchors away, my boys. Hey, I know that one. There you go. So now so we're now going we're to the Marines. The Marines. So, recruiter announces that we're going to see some Marines in action, so let's see what they're up to. And first, we see Donald's nephews, Huey, Dewey, and Louie. They're in a large, grassy field, standing in front of a group of dogs. Donald arrives, who's still scratched up, and now he's got some spaghetti sauce on his face. <laughs> Uh-oh, I hope they don't think it's something else. It's a little graphic. <laughs> it's spaghetti sauce. <laughs> okay. No blood. No blood in Disney cartoons. So, By the right, way, so this song Don is in is... Blackbeard's Ghost. Go on. Yeah, Donald is leading Pluto. <laughs> <laughs> who has a head trainer sweater on. Donald commands Huey, Dewey, and Louie to attention and asks them what's on the training list for that day. So they explain their plans for the day and the dogs all bark in agreement. And we see Donald lead Pluto in some impressive exercises for the audio animatronic Pluto. Uh, kind of hopping over fences and things. So I don't know how the Imagineers are going to do it, but they'll figure it out they a way. They sort of did that with... Uh... Rare Rabbit and Splash Mountain. Yeah, hops. they can do something yeah. like that, right? I'm just Walt Disney saying, go figure it out. Go do it. Yeah, you know? okay. <laughs> Be a bunch of bobkers and don't ask questions. Just go do it. So Mickey asks what the purpose of dogs and the Marines are, at which point, the, again, the screen comes down and we got Captain Marvel and Captain America describing the mission of bomb-sniffing dogs and how dogs alert Marines to potential sniper activity. <laughs> and... <laughs> warning marines of other impending danger and so after the video we see pluto sniffing a series of small hills in the field you know checking for bombs and suddenly chippendale scamper to the scene and they distract pluto with the bone and it seems that pluto in his excitement forgets to sniff one small hill and naturally donald who is still leading pluto walks over that hill we okay, see an explosion before you go on brian correction Okay. From the halls of Montezuma. That's the Marines. Oh, the army the Marines? is over hill, over dale, as we hit the dusty trail. I just wanted to correct myself there. Go ahead. We're the space cubs of Troop 54 from the Jetsons. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I'm in the Air Force, so I don't know any of the other services. I know the Air Force one. I'll get to that. Yeah. We go Everyone knows that one. one. Don't give it away. That's how the I want to see it. By the way. Spoiler. What? <laughs> That's how the attraction ends. Of course. So, anyways, Donald's covered in, uh, you know, from the explosion, and everybody laughs. And then we hear the Marine song, and the theater rotates once oh, more. Oh, from the halls of Montezuma <laughs> to the shores of Tripoli, and then we end up at the very best armed yep, force. My service. The United Except States for Air one, Force. which we're not talking about, which got shunned this evening, which is the Coast Guard. We apologize. Equally Sorry. important. 
but go ahead. And, and we can consider the Space Force as part of the Air Force still. So. Yeah, that's true. Okay. Coast Guard right. was founded by Alexander Hamilton. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> sorry, all you Lynn manuel Miranda fans yeah. out there. <laughs> so the theater rotates, and Mickey's chatting with the recruiter about how exciting military life is, but how it can also be kind of dangerous given Donald's experiences, and the recruiter simply says, well, Donald knew what he was signing up for. <laughs> and so they approach the next set, which is a small Air Force hospital next to a landing strip, and a plane approaches the runway via this large screen, and as it and gets to be about the, the same size right as a real... into the danger oh. zone. Yeah. <laughs> Done. Right. So the real, yeah. the real no, plane comes Navy. out magically, you know, stage right, yeah. And Goofy is the pilot, just yeah. like we saw him before, Uh-oh. except for now. And his plane's decorated with remnants of a recent run-in with a chicken coop. And Uh-oh. Goofy climbs out and mentions that he just transferred from the Navy to the Air Force because of seasickness symptoms. <laughs> That's why he's landed at the <laughs> hospital to get treated for the Bye-bye. So he's at the hospital to get treated for lingering symptoms of seasickness, and he's also got some new issues with air sickness as well. So Donald runs out to the runway wearing an Air Force flight suit and noise protection headphones. He's still bandaged and burnt with that same smudge of spaghetti sauce on his face. He begins to refuel Goofy's plane and performs some maintenance. Meanwhile, here comes Captain America and Captain Marvel on the screen again. And they call for Minnie Mouse, and she runs out of the small hospital. She's a nurse now, and tells everybody that she joined the Air Force to become a flight medic. And Uh-oh. Goofy is excited to hear this news and uh-huh. asks Minnie uh-huh. to help him get treated. A flight medic. And Mickey Mouse uh-huh. is also very interested in this oh, line of work. Boy, a or flight medic. Just oh, Mickey. and mickey asks if he can join them so to kind of check out what they do in the hospital so all three of them go into the hospital to begin goofy's treatment and captain america and captain marvel start to explain other jobs in the air force via short video just like the other scenes we experience and meanwhile donald is joined by his nephews to work on the plane and predictably they're scheming with donald and while he isn't paying attention while refueling the plane, they use some rope to tie Donald to the landing gear. You know, like to the, the propellers. Yeah. And it spins around and his feathers go everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's not Indiana Jones in the fighting guy. No, he doesn't get chopped up. He's on the propeller, like tied to it. Oh, he's tied. It spins okay. around. Yeah. <laughs> Well, as you know, my idea is kind of way out there, so... All right, so Donald's tied to the landing gear. He doesn't know it. Captain America and Captain Marvel come back on the screen to give one last push for the audience to consider the military and say goodbye. And soon after, Goofy, Minnie, and Mickey, who's now in an Air Force uniform, emerges from the hospital. Mickey announces he's going to join the Mi- join the Mini for I mean, the Air Force. And he works his way up to the... Be- and he wants to work his way up to be the head cheese at the hospital. So, Goofy waves goodbye to everyone, and after removing some of the chicken coop from his plane, he flies off with an unsuspecting Donald joining him as a passenger. And the plane Time leaves the its stage, screams Donald screaming and yelling while Goofy sings the Air Force song. The end. So, by the way, everybody, what Mickey is wearing in this picture is what Brian wears to work every day. 
Yeah. Well, if it's a special day, I wear the OCPs, the camouflage uniform, usually. Oh, you do? Okay. Oh, yeah, and Chris gave me this idea. So after... I did? The, oh, no, uh, this are part of the show idea. show is over. This, right? Not the idea, but this part of the idea. I yeah, think. so Chris, we were talking about this yesterday. And he's like, why don't you have everybody like walk up the ramp to the second level, just like they did back in the day to go check out the General Electric... Um, the city you know, of tomorrow. Progress land. Progress right? city. Progress city. Yeah, so instead of that, everybody's going to go up to like a little military museum that can rotate based on the services. Or um, I actually made a couple phone calls to the Walt Disney Family Museum. And once the military, the World War II exhibit is over there, they're going to move that to the second floor. So everybody can get well, a lesson. probably hold every, all of yeah, probably. Things. Probably put it all in there. The so everybody can get a history lesson on the Walt Disney Studios and how they supported the World War II efforts and all the great animated propaganda Off films they we made. we go into the wild blue yonder. <laughs> you didn't let me sing the song. Oh, go ahead. You can sing that he out. Paused. Attaboy, give her the gun. <laughs> I don't know the rest of it. Yeah, you, we, Ruthie, we can't pause to let him sing. He just has to, you know. Right, he has live to. and think <laughs> over the galaxy. Hey, nothing can stop the U.S. Air Force. Yeah. You know, All we right. changed Adam Boy's Give Her the Gun. We changed it to Adam Airman Give Her the Gun hmm. because girls can shoot. Right. But they still call them Airmen. Which Airmen. should be called them air well, persons. Air person. Air, oh, air Okay, that's air men yeah. and women. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, that was my uh, carousel of the United States Armed Forces, which will Eight obviously happen series. next time. We Rudely do interrupted a, uh, by technology. Yes. <laughs> that's next on Chapek's list, right? Mm-hmm. So my no, idea is to revise an existing area, a whole land in Walt Disney World, Liberty Square. So the bare bones of it will remain basically the same, but I'm going to add new things and sort of replace things and just make it a whole much better area, more exciting, more fun, less dry and sort of an area people aren't that thrilled about unfortunately but um several ideas that i have to make liberty square a better a better land that feels more complete and has more going on so if you don't know liberty square we did an episode on liberty square and new orleans square sort of a duo but Liberty Square is sort of the equivalent to Disneyland's New Orleans Square, but instead it's themed to colonial America, sort of Philadelphia or Boston during the time of the American colonies leading up to the Revolutionary War. So the present attractions, there's really three and sort of four which is kind of like fluid because sometimes they say it's a frontier land and sometimes they say Liberty Square. But anyway, oddly enough, the Liberty Square riverboat is located in Liberty Square. Those didn't even exist during colonial times. 
that came along in the 19th century, and this is the 18th century, but anyways, that's there. Then they have the Golden Horseshoe, or the Diamond Horseshoe, which is actually right on the edge of Liberty Square, but it's more considered a frontier land. That's the one that's fluid. Sometimes they call it a frontier land thing, and sometimes they call it a Liberty Square thing. But it's sort of like right where the land transitions into frontier land. The real main event of the land that sort of does fit the theme perfectly is the Hall of Presidents, of course. And then at the other end is the Haunted Mansion which is one thing I'm not going to change at all. The Haunted Mansion's going to stay exactly as it is. It's perfect. It fits the theme as far as I love how they did the architecture to fit more of the Liberty Square theme. There's nothing about it I feel that needs to be changed, but I'm going to pretty much change everything else. So one thing I'd like to do is I'm going to keep the facade of the Hall of Presidents, but I'm going to get rid of the inside of it. I'm not going to have it be the Hall of Presidents anymore, because I feel that the American Adventure is a better version of what they're going for in the Hall of Presidents. It feels like there's two of the same thing, and the American Adventure is the better. So I don't feel that they need the Hall of Presidents. And the other thing that lately it's become very polarizing because when there's a Republican president, half the people are upset. And then when it's a Democratic president, the other half are upset. I don't think that belongs in a Disney park. It's too controversial. Put in something that we can all appreciate and agree on. We don't need politics in Disney theme parks. <laughs> it's just not what we should have. So what I think it should become is have the facade be the same, but then when you go inside, you enter into a carousel style theater and just remove the Hall of Presidents and install a rotating theater in the same spot, but you can't see it from the outside of it, it, it rotates within the building, so you don't see the rotating, because it wouldn't fit the time period. A rotating building wouldn't exist in the colonial times. So, what I would put in there is a brand new, updated, and better version of America Sings. So, this would become the, the attraction to tie the whole theme of the land together, it's a topic, music is a topic that's universal, it's not controversial, it's not political, and it's very patriotic because it's something we as Americans are all proud of, our musical heritage, so I feel this is something that would fit right in Liberty Square perfectly. Now the next thing I would do is I would have two docks in Disney World's Rivers of America. I would move the Steamboat Dock further down into the Frontierland area. So the Steamboat would no longer dock in Liberty Square. Instead, it would dock further down over in Frontierland and make it an official Frontierland attraction. Instead, we would add a second boat to the Rivers of America, and it would be 
a new version of the sailing ship Columbia. And this would dock at Liberty Square, where at the same station where presently the Mark Twain, or not the Mark Twain, but the Liberty Bell Riverboat is docking. So and guests can board it and like reenact the Boston Tea Party on a daily basis. That would be cool. We could have that's not about I know you're kidding, Brian, but we could have a reenactment of the Boston Tea Party by cast members and the people in Liberty Square on the shoreline can watch it happen yeah. and they can I read. I think you should do it with the Muppets. Oh, yes. <laughs> mm, I don't like that. I don't like them. I, I'm not, I'm cool with the Muppets, but I think they should move them. The, that whole thing should be moved to Epcot. And because they have the, the Sam the Eagle restaurant now. So just move all of that yeah, stuff over that to Epcot. Sense. So anyway, I'm cool with them, but not... I think they should try to stick more with the theming in, in the Magic Kingdom. But at Epcot, I think the theming can be a little more loosey-goosey. I'm okay with that. But anyways, so the Columbia will be a second vessel, and it'll be perfect because they actually have a restaurant called the Columbia Harbor House in Florida, which oh, never wow. makes sense. You really thought this through. It makes sense. Originally, they were going to have a Columbia instead of a steamboat in Florida, but at the last minute, they decided to do a steamboat instead. So that's why they built the Columbia Harbor House. But so the Columbia would tie perfectly in with the whole colonial theme. Yeah, that's a great idea. I love that. And when they're not using the Columbia, because let's say it's a slow day and they only need to run one of the big boats. They can just leave it docked. They can still do the Boston Tea Party thing with it docked. And it'll just add to the whole atmosphere of Liberty Square to have that docked there. A couple other things I thought of, um, which I don't have any images to show, but just sort of ideas I'm thinking about. Pete's Dragon takes place in New England. And... There's an old-fashioned schoolyard that sort of looks like they took old parts from ships and built a playground. And I think they could put like a fun little play area for kids like that. That sort of looks like it's on the shore of an old sea town and it's got like a big mast and different things that nautical equipment and things like that kids could play on. And then the other thing I would do is I would add in a new dark ride. And probably the place where this would fit would be where the um, Old World Antique Shop used to be, which I guess is now a Christmas shop. I would get rid of that and put a um, dark ride in there instead. So this would be a dark ride called... Um, the Ride of the Headless Horseman, and it would be based on the 1949 segment from The Adventures of Ichabod and Mr. Toad, the story of the legend of Sleepy Hollow. So this would reenact the chase by the Headless Horseman chasing Ichabod Crane through the Haunted Forest. And this was an attraction they had actually considered making instead of Mr. Toad's Wild Ride in Fantasyland. Originally, they were going to do all different dark rides in the Florida version of Fantasyland that sort of had a t same 
feeling as the ones in California, but a totally different storyline. So this was going to be what they were going to do instead of Mr. Toad, but then they decided to play it safe and just do Mr. Toad. But so this is not an unthought of idea. I didn't come up with this idea, but I'm bringing it back and I would put it in Liberty Square. So this would be a special dark ride that it's a chase between you and the Headless Horseman. So that would be how I would fix uh, Liberty Square, Liberty Square 2.0. So how do you like that yeah, idea? I, I love that cool. idea for the Ichabod Crane attraction. You know, head for the bridge with all your might, but make sure right. you have Katrina with you in tow. <laughs> <laughs> well, that That's is, awesome. that ends another episode of Dateline Jiminy Crickets. And thank you again for joining us. Thank you, Brian. And Ruthie, where can everybody find Jiminy Crickets on the web? You can listen to all of our past shows, including audio versions of Dateline Jiminy Crickets, over on our website. That's jcricketspodcast.blogspot.com. You can also listen to us on Apple Podcasts under the name Jiminy Crickets. That's with an exclamation point. And be sure to leave us a five-star review, which helps to promote the podcast. Over on our YouTube channel, we share updates to the Disney Chris website, including the Disneyland Magical Audio Tour, as well as past episodes of the Jiminy Crickets podcast and Dateline Jiminy Crickets. You can find our channel if you search for DisneyChris.com. And remember, .com is spelled out D-O-T-C-O-M. And don't forget to subscribe and click on the notification bell. We can also be found over at the Roarbots, a unique website celebrating all aspects of geek culture, including Disney fandom. Here we share all of our new episodes twice monthly, as well as special best of episodes from our extensive back catalog of shows. We are proud to be a part of this motley crew of pop culture superfans, so be sure to check out this amazing website at www.theroarbots.com. If you would like to contact the show with your comments or questions, our email address is DisneyChrisDOTCOM at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. And Brian, where can everybody find us on social media? <laughs> on, on social media? Yeah, yeah you can find us on Facebook. That was my Facebook. question. I'm going to answer it. <laughs> okay. I'm going to answer it for you. <laughs> So look us up uh, on Facebook, Jiminy Crickets Podcast, and you can join in the conversation with Chris, Ruthie, and I and all the other cricketeers. And, you know, we can dish, you know, no big whoop. It's a lot of fun when we're all interacting with each other. I I try to post uh, a couple times a week, and I'll I'll do a better job. (laughs) Try to stir the conversation. I'd say it's more than a couple times. I'd say it's four to five times. Yeah. I'll, I'll do a better job. Chris has chastised me a couple of times for not being I have not. That's a made-up statement. I have never said anything. I think you're, you're posting rape. You're this close to being fired, Brian. Yeah, I'm super close. I have no problem with the amount of posts. Well, all I have I to do is fine. talk about my origin story, and that'll get me <laughs> Okay, so yeah, Instagram. Don't give every detail uh, away, Brian. Some things right. are better left unsaid. <laughs> okay. I have a bad habit of doing that. I'm sorry. Okay. Instagram. No, I mean, as far as the origin story comment. 
Oh, that's my okay. issue with it. Yeah. I got some secrets that I won't share because if I yeah, did, I'd it'll probably take away the mystery. You're yeah. Cruella de Vil. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Horace. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely more of a Jasper. Yeah. Big and frumpy. <laughs> well, Horace had a crush on Cruella, so see. Well, then I can't be Cruella. I can't be Horace because I didn't like Emma Stone. Anyways, let's get back to this. Huh? We're, yeah. we, we talked about Facebook, so Instagram, Instagram. Disney Chris underscore JC underscore podcast is where you can find us on Instagram. And I usually every day I'll post some awesome Disneyland photos for you to enjoy and I'll give updates on what we release uh, with the podcast channel. So follow oh, along and share that with your friends. Week, I was thinking of talking about Instagram. Yeah, Facebook. Oh, yeah. Week, Instagram almost right. daily. Facebook, I, I need to do a better job. That's no, where Chris that's was. Fine. Sent, no he need. sent me a nasty email. I never I did that. Things. You're making that up. I never said a word. <laughs> All right. And so Instagram, you can also find my personal account, Keeping Walt in Disney. So please check that out and follow along. And on Twitter, you can find Chris at DisneyChris73. And all of us are on, on, on Facebook, blah, using our own names. Chris Linden, L-Y-N-D-O-N is in Lyndon Johnson. I got to throw that out there. Ruthie Brown and Brian Crawford. Okay. And uh, my website is DisneyChris.com, which is home to the Disneyland Magical Audio Tour and the Disney song of the day. And then our Patreon, once again, if you want to help support what we do, is patreon.com slash DisneyChris. And for all other donation options, you can simply go to DisneyChris.com and click on the menu at the top of the page, which says donate, or you can directly go to the URL, DisneyChris.com slash donate.html and you can uh, contribute via PayPal you can find our online store and PayPal uh, supporters who do a monthly donation which is an option on PayPal you can either do a one time or monthly if you do a monthly you will receive the same rewards that our monthly Patreon subscribers would receive and the last thing I'd like to mention before we go is I'd like to give a thank you to everybody for your continued support. And um, we couldn't do it without our audience and our supporters. And even those who just simply take in our content, we consider our supporters. And thank you once again to Ruthie and Brian. And say goodbye, everybody. Hi everybody. Say good night. Say good night, Gracie. <laughs> <laughs> sit, Ubu, sit. Good dog. Oh, wrong one. And Have a good will, fourth, everybody. We'll see you again yeah. next month. Enjoy your summer. Great safety out there. Have a bang up holiday. <laughs> <laughs> Bye -bye, don't go to everybody. the ER with a missing hand. Yeah, yeah be don't. careful. Just sparklers. We'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye. Now it's time to say goodbye to all our company. M-I-C.
real soon. K-E-Y. Why? Because we like you.